Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Joining me right now is Professor Eitan Shamir, who's a senior lecturer at the Political Science Department, Barilan University. Good morning, Professor Shamir. How are you? Good, good morning. Very good. Thank you for having me. Thank you very, very much for, uh, for making the time to speak to me. Tragic news coming out of, uh, of Israel over the weekend with the three hostages and essentially friendly fire. Um, Israel also, I think it was last week or perhaps the week before, the end of the week before, where they released uh, uh, figures, the IDF, saying that over 20 soldiers had died from friendly fire. How does friendly fire happen? Yeah. How does it happen? Okay, that's uh, that's that's a very good question, but um, uh, I, I, I should uh, let your listeners know that every, every uh, military operation, wherever... Uh, and uh, looking at other militaries as well, whether it's British, American, uh, you always have casualties from friendly, what we call friendly fire, or the military causes blue and blue. Um, the, the 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 battle uh, the battlefield is a very chaotic uh, place. Yes. Uh, forces are moving, uh, and as they are moving uh, and maneuvering, they are uh, using uh, their fire. And uh, there's a lot of shooting. Uh, things are happening very quickly. So in an instant, you have to make a decision when suddenly you see a, a force from an unexpected direction uh, in front of you. You have to make a decision whether this is a, uh, this is a friendly force or this is the enemy. Uh, if you decide uh, not to shoot, then he might. If, the, if it is the enemy, he might shoot you. So uh, a lot of times, uh, under the pressure. Uh, under the fatigue um, and the stress, uh, soldiers uh, are quickly to respond and they shoot first and ask uh, questions later. And this is what you do in war. You, in war, uh, the, the, most of the restraints are off, uh, so you're, you're allowed to shoot. Um, and, and sadly, this is a, this is a phenomenon we saw in every in every war in Israel and again in every war around the world. Uh, there is a, a, a there is a concentrated effort to reduce the number of uh, cases of friendly fire, but it's again it's a part, and, and especially I have to say in uh, in an area where it's like urban warfare, when you fight between the the, the, the bee and the houses, and uh, uh, really forces are coming from so many directions. And I have to say another thing: the Hamas, oftentimes they use the. Uh, uh, the uniforms of the IDF, uh, in order to exactly to create this confusion. So it's really sometimes very hard to, to tell. Now, now, this is not the case, and we can talk about the case of the hostages. This is, this is a different case. Yeah. What do we know? What do we know about the hostages? Uh, so we knew, we know that, uh, they were, we don't know how they, uh, um, at least the IDF didn't, uh, released yet. It's still an inquiry how they were managed to free themselves. Whether they were captured, left them, and flee, or whether they were able to sneak out somehow under maybe under the the barrage of uh, bombings or something like that. Uh, so we know that uh, they, they managed to, to to leave their captures and they moved towards IDF positions. They were uh, very careful to try and uh, uh, mark themselves as. Uh, as the hostages, as uh, as friendly, uh, so they had like um, 
they prepared like sheets with uh, from scraps of food actually they were able to write some some uh, writings on 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 some cloth uh, writing that uh, this this the help and the SOS and we are we are captured and they they moved on towards the ID, the IDF uh, position uh, when they didn't have their clothes on uh, at least the shirt, the, the shirt, they have their pants, but not with a shirt, so to show that they don't have explosive. And they had a white flag with them, a small cloth, a white cloth that they managed to improvise with a stick. Mm. And yet there was an IDF uh, sniper that uh, saw them and decided that uh, for some reason, again, unknown reason, decided they, are, they might be hostile and uh, he fired at them. How do you how do you cope personally? This is a personal question for you. How do you cope with information that you're getting that obviously you know not all of it is going to be for public consumption? How do you personally cope with that? With with such news, you with mean? such news, yes, yes. I mean, do you not sometimes find it just completely overwhelming? Um, okay, you're asking me a very personal question, but. Um uh, I think it's very uh, uh, right on. Uh, the I can tell you I haven't slept. I haven't slept at the, the, the night that we got the news uh, yeah. personally because of. And not only that, from conversation uh, with uh, friends um, that they have, including in the military, people in the military who are furious and frustrated. Um, I, I think this is, uh, if, if I can talk about a few incidents, you know, that had a, like a huge, uh, impact. Yes. I mean, if we could, uh, if we could plot a graph of like the ups and downs, uh, after the seventh, uh, in Israeli public mood, uh, this would be probably, uh, the lowest point. I mean, everyone here is devastated. Uh, the, it, it affected very seriously, I think, on the public mood in general. Uh, so this, this has, this had enormous effect on personal level and on the national level as well. Yes. Yes. So now in light of this, when you see the United States calling for a ceasefire, or you, or you hear them saying, you know, go tread softly, or you gotta, you gotta finish this by such and such a date, or you hear, you know, the United Nations, they, the General Assembly is going to be voting later on today on uh, whether there should be a ceasefire in Gaza. Um, what's your feeling about that? Because I'm thinking, you know, an ally like the United States, an ally means you both pay the same price. To my eyes, it's only Israel who's paying the, paying the price. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we are only, it's only Israel who's paying the, the, the price of blood. Yes. Uh, Israel pay the full price of blood and treasure. The U.S. Uh, supports Israel both in terms of uh, munitions, uh, in terms of treasure. Uh, it's going to give uh, to provide some aid, I guess, to Israel. It's increase its its money, its its, its uh, funding to Israel, its uh, security assistance, as they call it. Uh, and it pays a price, a certain price, uh, at least the administration uh, criticism from abroad and domestically, right? So, so they do a certain political price, not again, not price in blood, and this is a principle that Israel is upholding, that we are doing our own fight and we are not asking for anyone to uh, to sacrifice its soldiers for us. So this is something which, which is very uh, important for Israelis. Um, 
Now, uh, I want to correct a bit, a little bit what you said, if I may. Yes, of course. Um, the, 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 the U.S. is not calling for a ceasefire. The U.S. is definitely not calling for it. The U.S., uh, Israel and the U.S. Uh, defined the same goal for the operation from day one. And the, the Americans have never shifted uh, this goal, never changed it. The, the, the difference is that uh, the, what the Americans are asking is to complete, and then they don't, they, they didn't provide a date. They were just pressing on for the IDF to complete faster, it's what they call the major operation. So the, 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 the four divisions, the big military that is now in Gaza, this, like this rolling, uh, rolling machine, you know, over Gaza. Yes. Uh, they, are, they are asking to complete this phase as early as, as possible, and they are talking about a few weeks. Uh, the IDF wants a, a little bit more time. So the, 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 the negotiation, that's why the, um, that's why Austin, the defense minister, is coming with some of the American generals, and they will discuss it, and I guess there will be some kind of a compromise. Uh, there will pressures from the U.S. or counter-pressure from the IDF, and uh, at the end they will, they will find some kind of a, some kind of a compromise, uh, uh, a point where the IDF will say, okay, enough is enough, we destroyed enough Hamas, uh, infrastructure, we killed enough Hamas fighters, and we can stop the major operations and move to the next phase. Um, this, this, so this is very, very different than the call of the UN to a ceasefire. A very, very different scenario. Okay. One of our listeners, Javi, uh, she's actually listening to us from Israel. She says, uh, sorry, uh, she's actually here. She says, morning, Kathy, I hope that you're well. What I don't understand, nobody told America to stop fighting in Afghanistan or Russia to stop fighting the Ukraine. Um, why should we have to listen to America? It's not fair. We need to finish the terrorists once and for all. How would you respond to that? Uh, I would respond that the international relations um, are not fair. Uh, this is not uh, this is not a football, a football match where you have rules and you have a referee and everyone is uh, really uh, abiding by the rules. The national affairs it's about power and about um, influence. And uh, uh, as we know in the international uh, arena, uh, there is always a, a big group of. Uh, of countries that, uh, that that are against Israel um, and are pro for the Palestinian community, and today it's also part of the. It reflects the the division in the world. You have on the one hand Russia, China uh, supporting Iran, Iran uh, and other uh, Muslim countries, and when in regard to the Palestinians, everyone is voting the same. So it's. And, and, and as of the Americans, the Americans again, the Americans gave us tremendous support. They're not saying stop. They said we have to, to make sure that we understand that they're not stopping us. They gave us a tremendous support, but they have their, uh, you know, they have their uh, wishes, uh, which comes as, as basically as constraints as how how are you going to conduct this operation? So it's not about uh, the, the the objective, but it's about how you're going to how you're conducting it and when you are going to end it, uh, and what will be the day after. These are the three issues that we constantly have a, an argument, a certain argument with the Americans, but they, they still support us, and they, uh, they they gave a veto in the Security Council. Uh, they voted uh, to to veto the resolution against Israel. They are giving us everything, everything we ask for in terms of uh, uh, military support. Uh, they have sent an uh, air carrier, another uh, mastering group of ships to go to the Red Sea to um, to counter the Houthi uh, threat, 
which is an international issue, by sure. the way. It's, it's not only an Israeli issue. Sure. So, so I, I don't think we should, we should, we should complain. Uh, uh, we, we cannot receive this full assistance and still complain. Uh, I mean, we can always complain, but this is uh, so far much better than other scenarios, and, and and so we have to be. I think we have to be grateful also for what the Americans are doing for us. Right, best of a bad situation, Professor Eitan Shamir. Thank you very, very much for your time, for shedding your knowledge, and uh, you know, and for being willing to share some personal information as well. Really appreciate your your input. That's uh, Professor Eitan Shamir. He's a senior lecturer at the Political Science Department of Bar Ilan University, unpacking the concept of friendly fire.